This episode of the Golf Gamble Podcast on the Sports Gamble Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet 50 bucks at Win and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. And we're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And, of course, don't forget to go download the SGPN app. You're home for all of our free picks and All right, DJs, welcome back for a very quick recap of the RBC Canadian Open. And we're moving on to the U.S. Open on, I guess, technically my old stopping grounds. I didn't spend a whole lot of time in Brookline. But uh, for the U.S. Open in Brookline, it's your boy, Boston Capper, with the God of Golf himself, Steve Shermer. Steve, you ready, baby? You remember my main reason last week for why I love Live, Live Golf? <laughs> it's because I get a lot of 54-hole leaders right. That's and right. it happened again this week. Tony Finau. I know, man. Me too. So bad. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, I just should be used to it at this point. And he played great today. I mean, he, shit, he was bogey-free. just missed that bunny putt on 15. I mean, yeah, other than I that. Mean, listen, like, I, I don't fault him at all. Like, it, it is what it is. I mean, Rory shot seven under, I think, today. And yeah, I know he went JT, nuclear, man. JT, yeah, I mean, Rory and JT both went nuclear in the last two but, days. Finau played better than fucking JT today. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just talking about the last couple of days. Yeah. Um, Rose shot like 11 under. What? So what, ha- he sh- what he happened? What happened today? He shot fucking. I think. He, I think no. He shot 10 under. He shot a 60. So, right, but like, like but he I had guess, three. Like, dude, he shot a 60 with three bogeys. So what? So what changed with the course? Like, I know we got some rain. Yeah, that softened up a little bit. So soft. Man. That sucks. Like, yeah, I know. The first I couple days have played difficult. And, and it did. It played really difficult. And look, I mean, I guess, I mean, look, we had JT, Finau, and Rory all going off at the end, and they were just yeah. fucking like putting on a display. So it was, it was, it was fun to watch as far as that goes. I didn't like how easy the course was today. Like, I mean, some of my guys, some of my bomb top 20s bombed out today because everybody else could score. Um, right. And I expected it to play more difficult. But look, it is what it is. Uh, it was, it, listen, it was a good tournament. Uh, I don't know. Golf coverage, as always, is corny as fuck and just makes me so angry. I hate Jim Nance. I hate him so much. Now. Yeah, can, can, like, we, can we talk Can we talk about yesterday, the opening to CBS? And this is kind of, I guess, we'll Oh, today was over. worse, dude. Moynihan talked oh, was today. it today? Moynihan talked today. Oh, really? Yeah, dude. He came on with Nance. They had a weird uh, handshake exchange. And Moynihan, one of his things was, you know, talking about if you if you play for the PGA, do you ever have to apologize for playing for the PGA Tour? And this moral high ground bullshit. Listen, clearly the Saudi government is bad. Okay. Listen, I'm a vet. Like, I get it. Like, it is what it is. The PGA is a fucking business. And for them to pretend like it's anything else and that they have this, like, they have all the good intentions in the world and all this other bullshit, I just, I can't stand the hypocrisy of it. Like, it just makes me insane. Like, it is what it is. Like, look, obviously the PGA is better than the Saudi government, right? Like, Pretty black and white there, right? Not a lot of gray area there. I know that that's that's a hot take. Yeah, exactly, right. And so, I, look, the guys who go over there and, and take the money, what a man! They make the decision for them. Like, and I'm not in their shoes. Nobody else is in their shoes. Like, you can take the more high ground. Be like, I wouldn't do it if I was offered money, and maybe I wouldn't, right? But who knows? I don't know. And, and but maybe some people do. And to make the decision for what's right for you and your family, 
these people who go on and on about the, the sanctity of the fucking PGA Tour. It's the NFL. It's the NHL. It's the MLB. It's a fucking sports organization. Who gives a fuck? Like, give me the better product, and I don't give a shit. I don't care. Like, yeah. I don't. I, like, I, the, the, the Twitter space is, is very difficult right now because you got all assholes who are like, you take the money too. And then you got other people who are just like, want to sit on this like moral high horse on Twitter. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I don't care. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm at the point now where it's like, I don't care. It's just frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that because I, I watched a little bit of the lip, lip golf on the uh, YouTube stream, and you could clearly tell that everybody had talking points. And PGA did first, too, both of them. They well, that's powerful. the thing. The first thing I see on Saturday is Jim Nance and Nick Faldo with clearly talking points from the PGA Tour yeah. about betrayal yeah. and how the PGA Tour has treated these guys so good so well. and all the millions and millions of dollars they pumped into communities and that they're so much better off now. Which, yeah. look, like I know people criticize the PGA Tour for being a nonprofit. I've reviewed their 990s. Everything is above board. They do donate a lot of money to charities, but you just nailed it. This is a business, and this is a business decision these guys are making. And to call it this betrayal, like, like the, what other sport? Like, there's no such thing as like a hometown discount of free agency anymore, oh, like in any oh. other sport. So why should golf, like the future, to feel like it's like it's different? Because like, the Masters, like, boo, well, boo, the NBA, like, like, like the history. Every sport has history. Like, I yeah. All these fucking people. Like, look at the NBA right now. Like, uh, the top players change teams over four years. Now, baseball in baseball, you come through your farm system, and then as soon as you hit free agency, God. you go to the highest bidder. Yep. We see NFL quarterbacks now just going to different teams. Like, it's just it's about the money at this point. Like the legacy stuff. Like, and the the fucking legacy with the PGA Tour. I'm sorry. No one gives really a shit about the Honda Classic. No one gives a shit about the John Deere. No one really even gives a shit about Bay Hill. Let's put it. Let's let's call it spade spade. The only golf tournaments that like whenever I have friends of casual like casual golf talk with friends or my dad. I mean, my dad's every because he's in like a fantasy pool with me, so like it's gambling he talks about. But like my my buddies, like the only tournaments I care about is the Masters, U.S. Open, PJ Championship, and the Open Championship. They don't give a fuck about the Fags Cup. They don't give a fuck about the Players Championship. None of that stuff. And it reflects in the TV ratings and it reflects in the bad, awful product the PG Tour just trots out there. So when something else comes along, which actually I don't mind the format, some of the things that Liv is coming, bringing to the table, even if they ripped it off and it's kind of a shit show right now, it's kind of catering to what golf is probably should be now going forward as far as like quick pace, 54 holes, you know, limited fields you're not going to see like the 180th ranked player of the world well i mean now you are with live but the the (laughs) dream of it the concept and they're going to get there eventually is you're going to have at least like 40 of the top like 75 golfers or something just playing every single it's gonna be like a wgc right so wgc 50 poles and listen like i'm fine with regular like mate like i'm fine with golf being 70 poles i don't need to be 50 poles but I'm definitely right. down for the shotgun start. Eight fucking hours of my day fucking trying to track and watch golf. It's fucking impossible. It really is. I mean, like, look, like, I understand, like, and I've heard armies of people saying, like, all right, well, I like, I like watching a full day's golf. Well, that's your job. Like, guys like you and me, we have full-time jobs. We have kids. We have families. Like, we cannot just tell the wife, hey, 
I'm gonna sit on my ass from nine a.m. I'm watching the Rocket Mortgage class in Detroit. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I can't do that the entire day. And it's literally we don't have an off season on the PGA Tour. It goes on and on and on and on. Never stops. We get time off on Christmas, I think, and that's it. Right. So the fact that the players are gonna take a bunch of money to go over there. I mean, it makes all the business sense of the world. Would you rather play 28 events and maybe make two and a half million or play 12 to 15 events? You know, because they're probably going to play some Asian tour events too. Although you said that maybe they're going to get DP World Championship status, which would be would, a fucking be a terrible deal that'd for the PGA Tour. That'd be a coup. I, like, I hope, I actually hope that doesn't happen because, like, because I do like the competition as much. I like, mm-hmm. the, I get frustrated at these people who are like, oh, it's about the legacy and, and, and the sport. And that's why we watch it. It's like, listen, man, I watch sports because I like competition. I also like to gamble. Like, I love baseball. Love baseball. Love baseball probably more than golf, if I'm fucking being honest. Mm-hmm. But I'm not watching 162 fucking games a year of baseball. Right. It's not doing it. Like, yeah. it's, the, it's the same thing with golf. Like, I, I do it because we cover it and I bet on it every week. And you know what I mean? Like, but my level of give a fuck about the John Deere, you have to convince me every year to do the John Deere. Like, I just don't care at that point. Like you hit burnout points and if the live can do anything, fine, whatever, just Jesus Christ, these people with the fucking takes, it's getting as bad as fucking like political Twitter. Like I got, I might have to mute the word live. Like I just might, like I might have to like, it's it's so bad from both sides, from both sides. It's mad. It, it doesn't seem like there's a real middle ground to cover it. And no, there's I'm, not. I'm, 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 I'm trying. I'm trying to take a middle ground. I'm just. I'm just trying to. Hey, it's their lives. It's their obligation. Oh, I just. I just want to watch a good product. And unfortunately, it's not going to be a good product with professional golf for at least the foreseeable future because no, because of the stars put everything have. up. Yeah, it's just going to suck. Well, maybe they won't yeah. interview somebody on the with the three holes to go on a major for fucking ten minutes PGA Tour. Like when it, CBS comes on, like. At three o'clock on a Sunday for me, I, I I almost stroke out every Sunday. I'm like, oh, here we fucking go. I'm just gonna be frustrated for the next fucking three hours because I'm not gonna be able to see what I want. The app doesn't fucking work. Like it, it's I get it, Nance muttering his bullshit. Like I can't I can't stand Nance anymore. I can't I can't. I always do well, his dick from the burnt toast shit. But like the the pandering that's what it is. That's the word. The pandering this week from everybody who was on TV just lining up to fucking deep throw Jay Moynihan, like insanity to me. Just insanity. Like, what's your loyalty to them? What has the PGA Tour done for the fans? What have they done? I nothing. Mean, nothing really. Nothing. So why do you give shit? Why do you care? It makes no sense. Ah. I know. I get it, man. And like, I mean, to your coverage point, I texted you yesterday that they showed Tony Finau going to, I think, 10 under. And then they had to switch it to Niner because they were so behind on the broadcast. They showed it five minutes later. He like chipped in. Yeah. Like unbelievable. God forbid we see golf shots. I know. Jesus Christ. I know. And that was actually, I mean, I know that Liv will eventually get commercials, but that was a snappy broadcast. And the fact they rolled out of bed and actually was better than anything I'd seen on NBC or CBS this year. That's a, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Yeah. Hopefully they, uh, hopefully they do something. I doubt they will. uh, No, they're probably not. So, all right, that's, that's enough Liv. Why don't we, uh, why don't we take a quick break and then we'll actually talk about like a real tournament and real Let's golf go. and try to avoid all that bullshit. Exactly. All right. Listen, you guys got to make sure you get down on the win bet $50 to win $200 promotion where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to 200 bucks in free bets. And they're also doing the ultimate fantasy football experience. If you bet $500 or more on sports or the casino before July 31st, you get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club. 
including a two-night stay at the Wynn Resorts for you and your entire league. Even Jimmy gets to come. Multiple entries are allowed, and all users that bet $100 or more on the NBA or casino uh, can be entered into a prize drawing to attend the DJ Diesel Shack uh, performance at Encore Beach Club at night, as well as a meet and greet with DJ Diesel this summer. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. The offer is subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. U.S. Open time, baby. U.S. Open time. Let's fucking go. It's Father's Day, U.S. Open. There is no better Sunday for for a dad. Like, there isn't. Like, Like, we get to watch golf, like, if we want. Like, we say, hey, guys, let's just hang out, grill out. Watch the golf in peace. You know, it, it's it's no side eye, no chores. It's a fucking beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I, I always, my wife asked me what I want for Father's Day. I'm like, honestly, just to watch the fun around the U.S. Open. That's all I say too. That's really, I want. Like, like, I want. Listen, I might go out in the morning, right? Depending, because mm-hmm. it's already yeah. like just terribly hot down here. Like, like it's 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 to the point where all right, I'm looking at like a five o'clock tea time because the sun doesn't go down to like eight ten. I might be. Searching for my balls on 17 and 18, but it's just fucking too hot today. Right now. Yeah. I don't know. I, honestly, I might not even have golf in me next week. Wait, I've been busy, man. I haven't <laughs> picked up a club in three weeks. Dude, I haven't I, picked up a club since I played that charity tournament. I'm, I'm screwed. What are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> Summer's going to be gone by the time we get there. All right. Know. So why don't we get to Brookline? So before I get into it, and actually, I need to take a quick break anyways and let you talk because my computer's about to die and I don't want to cut the stream off. So. <laughs> Why don't you talk about everything you know about Brookline? All right? Sure. You know, not the, not, not the country club, just the entire area. Oh, the entire area. I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, not, not, right. the, not the golf course. Okay. All right. We'll go find that charger quick. Uh, right. We might get in trouble. Um, so Brookline is a very well-to-do area, and it's full of possibly some of the worst people on earth. Uh, 98.5, <laughs> the sports hub in, uh, in Boston, does a great uh, – a great thing where they uh, basically take all the insane 911 calls from these fucking people who live in Brookline. And these are the most entitled, insane human beings that you could possibly find. It's wicked expensive to live there. Um, I know Theo came from the Theo, Theo Epstein, for, for those who don't know who I'm talking about, uh, came from there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's like, you know, like when in movies where they, where they, like show Boston as like this like posh like I don't know rich assholey city, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, Steve? Yeah. So like that's Brookline, like that's Brookline, that's Cambridge. Like it is what it is. I mean, I think I mean it's probably got California type prices, right? Like a like a a two bedroom on a three story walk up is probably like one five. Like I don't know. I, I listen, I just talk shit because I listen. I grew up in Brockton and it was definitely not that and. uh Fuck those rich kids from Brookline. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, basically, I mean, if I'm being honest, that's what it's probably about. But then, seriously, if anybody wants to listen to it and get a fucking a, a great laugh, just Google 98.5, the Sports Hub, free plug, don't care. Um, I think, actually, uh, Dan Lifshatz and maybe Joe Moria have actually done something with the uh, with the Gambler Network as well. Um, okay. But uh, they, um, they do these 911 calls. I don't even know how to describe how insane these fucking calls are for what people call 911 for. Like 911, like grown adults. It's the worst. But yeah, fuck Brookline. It's, it's a rich, old, old money bullshit area. Like, I don't know. Fuck, fuck Brookline. 
whatever. I mean, I mean, you've seen the clubhouse, right? At Brooklyn, oh, yeah. And like, yeah. Very, very oh, yeah. snooty mm. and uptight. I feel yeah, like that's a very, that's definitely one with a lot of stringent I, rules. Oh, yeah. And there was, they were definitely hanging Irish need not apply back in the fucking, back in the day. <laughs> and God knows what they said about people who weren't of their same pigmentation. Okay. <laughs> okay. Easy. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, yeah. I mean, like, would it shock you that this, uh, the country club started basically as polo grounds and for horse riding? <laughs> no, it would shock. Would it shock you that behind the third green is a large pond that people would figure skate around, and you know, a couple of Olympic athletes actually train there? So, skating on ponds isn't weird. Like where I grew up, it's not weird where you are either, right? Like that's not. I feel like that's not like we used to go fucking skate. I don't like, know. I mean, skating on a pond at a country club. I think that's well. Yeah, fine. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah. Fair. It's a little weird. Uh, there was, I think, uh, there's polo grounds on there too. Uh, it's, Do people still play fucking polo? Yeah, people say polo. Who plays I mean, rich, polo? rich people with horses play polo? It's the Olympic sport still. I think they still play that. Is it an Olympic sport? I think it is a still Olympic sport. I mean, I'm pretty I like sure. It up, is. I feel like we need to update that. Right, so, to someone fact check that. All right. What was that with the actual golf course though? And, we haven't spoken a word about the actual golf. I know, yeah. So it's 17 minutes in the U.S. Open preview. We're just getting into it. So, so the U.S. Open is at Brookline Country or uh, the Country Club at Brookline. It's called the Country Club. No the. other country club in the in the entire world, apparently. So it's one of the oldest country clubs in the United States. It's one of the five charter clubs for the USGA. All this you probably have heard on all your pockets. I'll just zoom through it. So uh, back in 1893. Um, this is like I mentioned, this was primarily a horseback riding club. And there's a couple of people who wanted to basically build a short golf course. So Willie Campbell, uh Scottish guy, won a couple of US Opens, or maybe Open Champions, whatever. Doesn't matter. He designed the first six holes of the country club in 1899. They completed a full 18. Uh, and then they're called two nines. One's called the Clyde, one's called the called the Squirrel. And this is both nines are basically the routing that the members play. Now, there's another nine holes because of the popularity of the country club. There's a lot of members. They realized that 18 holes just wasn't enough for the property. So they got William Flynn, who designed Shinnecock Hills. Um, they created something called the Primrose uh, course, which Primrose is, I think the clubhouse is colored Primrose. So they called it Primrose, the course. Uh, it's kind of an executive course a little bit. But for U.S. Opens, the USGA combines the routing for all three. You got some holes from the Clyde, you got holes, holes from the Squirrel, and some holes from the Primrose. Um, you know, if you look back through history, last time they had a U.S. Open here was in 1988. They also had the Ryder Cup. They also had the U.S. Am in 2013. And uh, you probably will not hear it anywhere else uh, this week, but Matthew Fitzpatrick won the U.S. Am in uh, 2013 there. And Corey Connors was a semifinalist, too. What? Oh, yeah. You, that's Fuck probably Corey Connors, man. That dude sank a like <laughs> that's just one of those like you know what I mean? It's versus a sweep versus canceling something else out. That's a fucking that was a three hundred dollars swing. Like that's I fucking know. annoying. I know. Fuck I mean, it looked it looked really good too after day one. Oh my god, dude! I wanted so he, I remember I texted you. I just need him to miss the cut because I knew if he made the weekend, something bad was gonna happen. Did he make it on the number? Or maybe uh, maybe no, he's like one under. One under. Okay, yeah. still that sucks. Yeah. yeah. So, All right. So, anyways. <laughs> So I posted on my preview column, I posted a bunch of videos, which will, you should watch it. I mean, I yeah, know it absolutely. takes a lot of time, but basically everything you need. First one I posted is a hole by hole. Um, 
narrative of each club with a bunch of uh, or of each hole with uh, drone videos. Absolutely watch it. You will get the flavor and the narrator's really good. He describes a lot of holes and what you should do and what you shouldn't do, some of the little tricks and everything. Very good. You definitely need to watch it. Second one's from the guys in No Laying Up. Basically, if you want to see a bunch of uh, you know, allegedly scratch uh, golfers get their ass handed to them at Brookline, that one's for you. Um, the third one is definitely a little nerdy. It's a definitely heavily on the golf architecture. Basically, the guys at Fried Egg, who, you know, if you like golf architecture, it's definitely a website you want to look at. They interviewed Gil Hans, similar to what they did at uh, at uh, Southern Hills. Gil Hans did a restoration in 2013, also did a restoration in 2019 here. Um, what part? So what he did in 2013 was he basically did, there was a green expansion. These greens are really tiny. So they expanded it a little bit and they're still really tiny too. Um, he also moved around a couple of bunkers. That was what he did in 2019. If you look at the Google earth images, uh, particularly on holes number one and number 18, a lot of those bunkers got moved out, you know, basically make it championship ready for the modern game. Uh, some bunkers are also like reshaped around the greens too. Uh, he talks about that in that video. And then the last one, if you got 90 minutes to kill, you can see Matthew yeah. Fitzpatrick actually win a golf tournament, make a couple birdies along the way too. Wow. Uh, he he was skinnier than he is now, by the way. He was yeah, he of was course. A twig. He was a I twig know. two years ago. I know. Well, yeah, I, th I think he's uh, I think he's been working out with Jose Canseco because he's looking a little thick lately. Yeah, whatever. Give all my so, athletes steroids. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> so, if I could just describe it in Cliff Notes version of what this place is, and you're going to see hear a lot of these buzzwords this week: quirky, mm -hmm. weird. Rock outcropping. That's another one you're going to hear. This is basically an ancient land where they had to kind of hammer the golf course into instead of move it around. Like Tom Fozzie would never be able to build this place because you can't take a bulldozer and you know move anything. You'd have to take a bunch of dynamite to blow up all the boulders and the yeah, rock man. Listen, digging digging back home sucks balls. Like this is it is. There's rocks and everything. Yeah, uh, lots of elevation changes. That's something we're going to talk about a little later. We're going to talk about approach shot distances. That's really going to matter. Uh, lot of tee boxes sit on top of hills. Uh, there's some weird holes where there's multiple levels to it. There's uh, random undulations in the fairway. That's going to make the ball roll into crazy areas. It's an awkward golf course, like especially looking off the tee. Like This is not something where you're like, all right, I'm just going to hit as far as I can. You know, sometimes we've, Seen a couple of U.S. Opens like that, like Wingfoot, Torrey Pines. This one is you kind of got to think about what you're doing off here. You need a good caddy who's walked the golf course, kind of knows where you want to hit it, where you don't. Because if you hit it, like even if you hit the fairway, with so many, like there's a lot of blind tee sh or approach shots where you won't be able to basically get it, you know, a good shot to the hole. Uh, there's a couple areas too where you can are accessible only with a really good straight drive, which is preferable, but it's really difficult to get there. It's, it's going to be interesting because we're going to talk about a couple things tonight about some past trends at U.S. Opens, uh, specifically with driving. And if that's going to hold up at a place like this, that is just kind of quirky and weird. Like it's, it's not a link style golf course, but there's a lot of it that kind of reminds me of like open championship styles. Just like, you know, you got to roll the punches. You got to be like really patient, like. It's just some weird shots you're going to have to hit that you just don't see a whole lot. And I think you got to have a pretty creative mind here too. Like you got to be able to shape the ball uh, both ways. Uh, I do notice though, there is definitely a little bit of a preference to a right to left shot. So guys who hit a lot of fades, I don't know if I love them this week. 
there's a couple guys that I know at the top. I, I think your eyes just widened a little bit because I think you know one in particular that you probably want to bet. Yeah. Who only hits a bunch of draws. Um, so yeah, like this is going to be very interesting just based on how the golf course is set up. And I'll get to that right now. Um, so the composite course is 7,254 yards. It'll play as a par 70. It's got a par five on both the front and the back nines. Uh, the first par five is hole number eight, which plays at 559 yards. It sounds really short, but I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. When we talk about approach shot distances does not play like it's 559. Second one is 619. And to be perfectly honest, that one is probably going to play like more like 650 this week. That is a Jesus very, Christ. very, very difficult hole. Uh, and I'll talk about that one too, because that's also going to play into as far as like, you know, like what your approach shot distance is going to be. It's basically, it's a two tiered par five where with like a 25 yard wide fairway, it's like 450 yards just to get to the second tier. If you're in the rough off the tee, you probably cannot hit it up to the second tier. That's like basically the, the shot, um, your approach shots difference. If, if you hit about 300 yards to make it to the second level, it's about 210 in the air, about 30 feet up. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not an easy layup either. Yeah, it's it's going to be very difficult. Like you get uh, the video I posted, you can see them play it. It's it causes them fits. And like if, if you're if you miss in the rough with your tee shot, you're not making the second level. You basically have one seventy five into your third, like mm. thirty feet up to a tiny sent, green. I sent you that video of that rough that Mito posted. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 Bro. it's very thick. Like like if we were playing, if there weren't spectators, do you know how many lost balls we'd have? Oh, a lot. And we'll talk about I'd, that because I'd bring two. I'd bring two dozen balls with a rough like that. Probably, yeah. We probably and you probably lose at least twenty. <laughs> like it would be like because I mean, dude, I'll lose balls in less rough than that. I'm like, I know it was right here, and I can't find it. Like I can't right. imagine. Yeah, I mean, like we've gotten some rain recently, uh, and like with a with the USGA with these shorter golf courses, they just grow up the rough, you know. And we've seen that a couple of times, and we'll talk about the implications of that a little later on. So. You know, back to just some of the golf course too. That has has four par threes and you know typical U.S. Open fashion. Um, most of them are long. Two of them are over 200 yards. Uh, one is 193, but the other one is tiny. It's only 133 yards and plays downhill, so it plays more like 115. So think of like at Pebble Beach, the uh, hole number what seven, six, seven, number yeah, seven. seven. Uh, you know, basically a tiny postage stamp par three downhill. That with trouble on all sides, pretty similar concept here. Um, basically, there's a cross bunker in front. There's a couple of bunkers to the side. And then everything falls off with like probably, I'm going to guess the thickest rough on the golf course. Like I bet if you miss that green, it's like four inch rough, four and a half inch. They, like you're, you can see it's target golf. Like, they call it the hole's name Redan, but mm. it's, it's not a Redan green. It's basically just target golf. Can you stick a sand wedge to like 10 feet? If you can, if you miss the green, you're probably making double, to be perfectly honest. So that's going to be very interesting. You'll probably see that in featured holes. Um, otherwise, oh, as far as... Oh, that's right. It's going to be on fucking Peacock and shit, too. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, the, the Thursday... What, can we talk about it? Let's, let me mention this to the viewers. The Thursday-Friday coverage is a disaster. So I think from like 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., it's on Peacock. From 9 to 2, it's on USA. From 2 to 5, it's on NBC. From five to seven, it's back to USA, and from seven to eight is on Peacock. That's Thursday, Friday. What the fuck are we doing? No. That's off. That is awful. 
Nothing like making a great user experience. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and we and we're we're laughing at the at Liz for having a YouTube stream. Yeah. Like at least they didn't make us go to like, I don't know, Amazon Prime and then like, you know, Google Meets or anything like that. Like this, come on. Oh, I forgot about the Peacock shit until you just said that. Sorry. I, didn't mean, to I mean, at least it's not Peacock Premium. They're not going to make you pay for it. I, actually, I'm not sure if they're going to make you pay for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm pretty it. sure we're going to have to pay for it again. I did it last I think it was last year. Didn't we pay for it last year? I paid for it last year, I thought. Possibly. There's a reason I have Peacock Premium, and I can't think of any other fucking reason that I had Peacock Premium. It's not because the office or parks and rec. No, absolutely not. All right. All right. Back to agronomy, because this is kind of important. So the the rough and fairways are basically a combination of bluegrass, ryegrass, and poana. Uh the GCSAA, which by the way, might have some questionable information that I'll get to in just a little bit. This is also questionable information they have. They say the rough is only three inches deep, which it might be. But it's so thick and lush that it just, it's not going to matter. Like, because there's a difference between like tall rough and like thick rough. And yeah. if it's just really thick, that's the real problem. But yeah. they say it's only three inches. I don't buy it based on the video. So that means some of the stuff I've looked at. Yeah. Um, and there's also like really tall fescue around like the bunkers and some others, like kind of like a Beth Page Black, yeah. some tall fescue like around that stuff. Similar here. This so, all type this like, like watch some of these video flyouts. It's like there's just it seems like there's multiple types of grass, and like yeah. the sec the second cut could be who the fuck knows who knows what you're getting into. Right now, what I wish they would do is at Southern Hills. Remember, they there was no intermediate rough; it was just yeah went from fairway to rough. I wish it was like that, but this is isn't. gonna play so tough anyway. We don't need that. Yeah. All right. So questionable from the GCSA, which I rely on for golf course information on the rough land. Also questionable. The grass types on the greens. So they say it's Poana, but then the USGA fly, you know, says it's Poa uh, bent mix. So right. I asked my good friend Andy Lack, I'm like, hey, what the hell is the matter here? And him and Stevie Bamford actually ended up contacting the supervisor at uh, nice. Brookline, which I'm glad they have the poll because I've tried that route before and just gotten to Kemi Mutombo. Like, I'm not answering <laughs> the question. Uh, well, they were able to find out that it's 75% POA, 25% bent grass. Now, that's probably not material information, just interesting to note. This is a POA bent mix. And I have a long list of golf courses of POA bent mixes. And one other thing I want to mention, too, try to keep it just the East Coast. Don't go West Coast POA. No, There's so a lot of different strains of POA, and, like, it rolls a little different. It's just it's different out there. Only go with, like, the East Coast stuff. So It's here's definitely the different out on the West Coast versus the East yeah, Coast. Yeah, so, so no here's question. the list of the bent POA mixes for greens. Ready? Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're going to write this down, or you're just going to rely on my article? I'm going to rely on your article. All right. TBC, TBC River Highlands. That is a bent POA mix for the Travelers. Ah. Detroit Golf Club. Rock and Morris Classic. I just said rocket Maybe that's why I said it. I was yeah. it was in there from earlier when I read your article. That, okay. that's, that's funny. There you go. Firestone for the WGC Bridgestone. That was a bent poem mix. Wingfoot. That was a bent poem mix. Actually, the, a very similar composition. When uh, the fuck was Firestone? I don't even remember Firestone. WGC Bridgestone. Okay. Before before they took it before FedEx hijacked it and moved it to Memphis. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. There we go. That's uh, why it's not registering. Olympia Fields for the 2020 BMW, that crazy one that Rom mm -hmm. won. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, all memorials before 2020. Uh, Beth Page Black, 2019 PGA Championship. Hamilton Golf and Country Club, uh, the, the 2019 RBC Canadian Open. Glen Abbey, basically all the Canadian Opens before that. Shinnecock Hills, 2018 US Open. 
Ridgewood Country Club, the 2018 Northern Trust, Glen Oaks Country Club, 2017 Northern Trust, and in my hometown, Oak Hill Country Club, 2013 PGA Championship, which they have just ripped up and put new bent grass in. But back in 2013, it was Ben Pella. Huh. So the, if you want to look at putting stats, like and like the particular surface, those are the ones to look at. Honestly, I'm probably not going to look at it because I think it's just noise, and I think there's a lot more other things you can focus on this week. But okay. if you're someone who likes looking at how these guys putt on bent Poa mixes, that might be the one of that list. I probably would consult Firestone, Wingfoot, Olympia Fields, Murfield, Beth or not Beth Page. Yeah, you just said Shinnecock. Yeah, but you said probably probably those five because those are actually fast bent poa mixes. The other ones are kind of slow or not as undulated, kind of flat greens. Like probably that's, not the thing of, that's the thing about these greens, right? Like the super yeah. small greens, like pebble, but they actually have undulation to them. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's pebble on steroids, basically. Hmm. So yeah, or it's actually Beth Page Black on steroids. To be perfectly honest, I think that's a good comp because those greens are pretty flat. They're small and circular, mm. but these ones have a lot more undulation. They're slick. Yeah, it's. I would say that's a good, accurate description of how okay. to call it. So, all right. Why don't we uh, take our first or another break and then sure. we'll uh, start getting into the nitty gritty of what you actually want to look for this week? Yeah, listen, we can definitely do that. And we can talk about Sleeper. It's the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. And I use it for my dynasty one. Uh, it's a game changing product, unlike any other in the industry. And now you can make money on Sleeper, too, by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. For example, number of points in basketball, hits in baseball, then choose the amount of money you want to enter. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere between two or over 20 times your money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about the over-under Sleeper is the only app where I can join my buddies' contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. You know what? I need to get Cousin Bush on this thing so I can fade his picks. Uh, so stop what you're doing and download Sleeper to have their new over-under game. Have you have fun with your friends and make some money. So on your phone, go join our listener group at, on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash SGP. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. That's right. Join our squad and get a 100% deposit match at sleeper.com slash SGP. Okay. Pro shot distribution. That's always something everybody wants to talk about and, and get. Well, because there's no tournaments that we can <laughs> rely on for this thing. I went through hole by hole, looked at all the whole compositions, kind of thought about what the smart play is, what I would do if I actually had like a plus 12 handicap and was on the PGA Tour, what clubs I would hit. And this is what I came up with. I did it for you guys. So less than, less than 100 yards. I got three shots around. I got a hole number five, hole number seven, hole number 14. Now, five and seven, those are the short par fours. Uh, hole number five, um, that one's, if you're stupid, technically could be reachable. Um, but it plays really uphill. They're basically the fairway shrinks at about like 280, like to like a five-yard fairway. There's bunkers all around, deep, rough, fescue, like, that's not when you want to go for the green. Guys are going to lay back off the tee, probably with like a hybrid or, or like an iron or something. Have a less than 100 in. Say they're number seven. That's also uphill. But again, like I, I don't think guys are going to be. I, you can take driver there, but you can't get there. That's less than 100. And then number 14, the the uh, the uh, the par five I just mentioned, that's a two-tier green. Smart play is that's a three-shot hole. Basically, you try to hit the fairway. 
hit like a five iron or like a hybrid to like wedge distance to the second tier and then try to hit like a wedge to a really small green. So yeah. even though it's a long par five, that's not a two shot hole. It's going to come down how you hit your wedges. Just do it old fashioned way, man. Big shot par five. There you go. Uh, from 100, 125 yards, I got two holes. That's hole number nine. Um, that's also, that's the one that if you read my video with the, uh, the tweet from Ted Scott, that's that hole. Basically the fairway juts in about three fifteen off the tee, um, for, to create like basically an 18 yard wide landing zone with the water there. Um, the tee box is also 50 feet above the fairway. So you're gonna get extra carry distance. Like you can't, you probably can't pull driver at that hole. Uh, you're probably going to have to lay back off the tee. You can still get a comfortable range, but the problem, though, is actually what I didn't realize is when you look at Google Earth, there is a giant ridge in the middle of the fairway right in the landing zone. They've hit the wrong side of the ridge. It's going to roll all the way down to the water. Really? So, yeah, it, oh. go go watch that video. So that actually might be back a little more, maybe 125 to 150, but that's a less than driver hole, even though, like, you know, it's a shorter, it's, it's like 430 yards, but you can't hit driver there just because of how the whole setup, um, 17, that's a shorter par four, but you can't really cut the dog leg. You basically have to play either right to the middle of the fairway or try and cut the, the corner. That's like a 270 carry, um, to the, uh, to the fairway. That's probably gonna be a setup like a hundred, 125 yard shot. Um, 125 to one six, one six. I only have one hole, probably hole number 11. Um, that's the par three down the hill, which actually plays more like like one fifteen. So that's just like a sandwich. Now we're gonna get into like more co- heavier concentration. <coughs> Excuse me. From one fifty to one seventy five. We have I a have mute th- button, Steve. We have a mute button. I know. Sorry about that. One fifty to one seventy five. I have three shots. One seventy five to two hundred. I have six shots, and two hundred plus. I have three shots. So okay. basically, you're looking for anything over one fifty. Now, if you want to narrow that down a little bit, um. You have to use 175 to 200. That's basically a third of all your shots. So either you can go 150 to 200 or you go 200 plus. Yeah, are you including the par threes in these? Yes, I am including the par threes in these. Okay. So, and, that, and that's where I'm going with this. So the 200 plus yard shots are, two of them are the par, par threes, threes, number two yeah. and number 16. As we kind of talked about last week at RBC Canadian Open, you're hitting off the tee. It's, it's a little different than hitting from the fairway or rough or anything like that. Like, I don't like using proximity stats for those par threes because it's a T like these guys can basically hit it bet. They can hit it good from, you know, that situation. Right. The other one is the, is, um, number eight, the, uh, the par five. So how that hole is set up too is first of all, kind of like with number 14, if you're in the rough, you can't get there in two anyways, you basically got to hack out. It's going to be basically like 150 yard shot for your second. So throw the 200 yard window out there too. Uh, that's a really tough approach shot as well. So basically there's two giant ridges in the par five. One's about 290 out from off the tee. If you hit it just right on the top of the hill, it'll actually skip forward towards the bottom of the ridge. So guys might hit like 320, 325, 330 drives on the whole step, like a 220 yard approach shot. The problem is though, is that that approach shot plays about 30 feet above you. And there's a giant false front and it's a really tiny green that if you are short, which when you're hitting uphill tends to happen, especially if there's some wind ball is going to roll back down 40 yards down the fairway. Um, and just from how tiny that green is, you're probably not hitting the green regulation anyways. And we're using scrambling like is an important characteristic this week. You're going to basically pick that up. So I am just going to look at 150 to 200. 
I think okay. those are that's I think that's the range that's going to be most important this week. As far as okay, I position myself in the fairway. How can I hit this green? That's what I think is going to come down to. Um, I mean, there are some wedge shots. There are going to be some longer approach shots, especially the par threes. But overall, I'm looking at 150, 200. I think that's going to be my bread and butter as far as what I want to look for this week for approach shots. So, yeah, any questions? I know I'm rambling. No, no, man. I mean, it's, look, it's so. <laughs> Especially weeks like this with uh, with, the, with the majors, it's like drinking through a fire hose. Sometimes, you know, does that make sense? Like you're trying to yeah. trying to take all this shit in, and right. no, I mean, I think everything you said makes sense. Um, I didn't know about the ridge. I must not have finished the video. Um, yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, so I mean, we didn't talk about the wind. So I mean, if the wind is up, like, is this gonna with the fairways being softer? Is longer irons even going to be more important? Well, that's I haven't considered that yet. I mean, okay. we'll see. I I'll have to look at the wind direction of everything. I know that Brookline is very like like the routing is really insulated. Weird. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, like some because like, they have you know, one like part this, that like one this, part yeah. like that. Yeah, and because they're using three different courses and. Uh, and, and what they basically drop some like they basically have like a what like a one twenty part three in there too, right? Yeah, exactly down the hill. <laughs> So, I mean, like, wind might help you on some holes, might hurt you on others. Like, it'll depend on if, like, if the tee box is way up, like, above the fairway. Even if there's wind, you're still going to get more carry distance. There's a lot of factors that you probably have to go by hole by hole by hole to yeah, actually we can't see which one. And yeah. I, I think at that point, you're drilling too down too much into it. Agreed. So, all right. Agreed. That's all about skill sets. So, again, we don't have a relative skill set chart at our disposal. So here's what I did. Here's what I like doing for U.S. Opens because generally speaking, even though we play different types of golf courses, we have short golf courses, we have long golf courses, we have golf courses with thick rough, we have golf courses without a lot of rough, we have golf courses with wide fairways, narrow fairways, undulated greens, flat greens, all that stuff. Basically, the goal of the USGA Pretty much every single year is to preserve par. And they will try and set up a golf course where basically par is an optimal score. And if there's guys do better than that, great. Most guys are going to bomb out, finish over par. Basically, they're trying to protect par. So a lot of these golf courses are kind of set up similarly, but just because of how they are in nature, nature, some things are different. Well, the one thing that is pretty consistent every single year and I also looked at another thing I should note too is like, I'm not looking at like in tournament performance. I know you share that stat with me about like, oh, well, you know, bogey points is important because whoever won the term that week finished like first and second that week. Well, no fucking shit. <laughs> Usually, if you win a tournament, especially US Open, you probably didn't make as many bogeys as everybody else. Right. Well, we, well, when I sent that to you, and we had both of us had a hard time trying to decipher it because it looked like that they were saying the 10 weeks leading up to it. This no. was their rank. And no, you debunked that in, I don't know, 15 minutes. I did. Of course I did. With a lot of things you sent me on Twitter. That I this is why I sent you things, bullshit. Steve. This is, I'm like, do I pay attention to this or not? Is this noise or not? <laughs> I would get in so many fights on Twitter if I, if I was on Twitter, if I see that somebody. All right, regardless, though, I'm not going to break any news. Guys who tend to mean the most efficient tee to green leading into the U.S. Open tend to do pretty well. So, of the le- so I looked at every U.S. Open since 2009, and I have charts in all my articles. They're color coded based on like you know basically red is good, blue is bad, or like weak or whatever. 
So then, since 2009, the average total of strokes gained per round by players finished at the top 10 of the U.S. Opens is 0.8, or about 45th on the PGA Tour. And most recently, it seems like the quality of guys who have done really well at PGA, on U.S. Opens have gotten a lot stronger. Um, those basically have an average rank of 0.93, or in three of the last, or I'm sorry, I included a bad one, uh, about a stroke per round tee to green last four years is the average of everybody in the top 10. Basically, this is this is elite players this week. Um, most of the guys who finished in the top 10, too, at least recently, are at least in the top 30 in the world with go- world golf rankings. Um, same thing can be said about all basically who's won recently. Um, basically, the average OWGR of everybody who's won since 2011 is 11th. Uh, everyone has finished who has won the U S open since 2011 was inside the top 30 in the world. So basically I just narrowed down the field right there. Take a guy inside the top 30 in the OWR who's going to win. Um, and there's also something to say about age too. So I think since 1994, only four guys under the age of 26 has won the U S open. So the guys are Ernie Els, I think, in 1994, Tiger in 2000, Rory in 2011, and Spieth in 2015. Wait, Ernie Els was under 30 in 94? I think he was 25 in 1994. <laughs> I pictured him as like a 40-year-old forever. Yeah, so so basically like <laughs> – and, and you think about the U.S. Opens. Like you got to be patient. You know, you can't be reckless. Like this is not like – your Victor Hovland's YOLO like type of tournament where I'm going to hit it down the wrong fairway and see what happens. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, you can't really do that. You know, you got to be patient. You got to be smart, especially at Brookline too. And I think how I'm going to apply, like basically what I said there is look like I'm basically going to be targeting any, anybody who's within the top 50 T to green on the PGA tour automatically in the top of the list, which is, listen, I'm not breaking any news. Mm-hmm. I'm picking a lot of really good players, picking a lot of guys who are really consistent. Maybe the quirkiness of Brookline might throw a monkey wrench into it because it's not like a very, it's not like a straightforward golf course. You got to think about it. You got to plot around and um, you have to be really careful, especially off the tee too. You got to plan for it. Um, But overall, like first I'm going to look at tee to green. Like, how are you? How are you coming in? Are you struggling? Because at U.S. Opens, it's really all about saving. It's not about scoring. It's about saving strokes. It's basically yeah, like the Joe Judge. It's the Joe Judge type of tournament where it's not about scoring points. It's listen, buddy. This is what I went through for two years. It's not about scoring points. You know, it's about limiting the damage. And and you. basically, that's the goal of the U.S. Open. So, target your efficient balls. You know, efficient guys tee to green. Uh, target guys who are inside the top thirty in the world. Probably hold with the trends, and we'll talk about it later. Guys, at least who are twenty six, you know that tends to be the that seems to be the match number. Like last year, Rob twenty six. Um, you know, he got Bryson was twenty seven, Woodland was thirty five, Kepka twenty eight, Kepka twenty seven, yeah. DJ thirty one. Like you get the picture. So uh, don't get cute. Don't try and say, well, you know, this guy's like one hundred fifteen t to green, but he's a really good scrambler and putter. Don't do that. <laughs> All right, that, that's this is not the time to be cute. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Why don't we take a break, and then we'll get more into the nitty gritty of this stuff because it, right. it gets interesting. Uh, yeah. No, I can't wait. I just want to play the game at the end. Can we fast forward to that? 
The, no, the, I'm gonna make you wait. But fair enough. All right, listen, gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner, and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all the father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair. From head to toe, this right here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code SGP. Trust me, his dad bought. Well, thank you. And listen, guys, the first time you find a great pube, it's not it's not great. It's not great. So listen, if you keep it trimmed up with Manscaped, it's not as noticeable, okay? So the, the grays, they... Uh, not, they don't stand out as much. So, so that's one benefit to it, right? So, and uh, Manscaped is designed with the fathers in mind with the Performance Package 4.0. And it's just in time for your pop's special day. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, uh, ball deodorant, a crop reviver toner, performance boxers briefs, and travel bag to hold the goodies. First off, let me tell you by saying that the Lawnmower 4.0 will be the official MVP of Father's Day. Their generational four, <laughs> their fourth generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce the grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. And the Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof and has a 400,000 LED spotlight to make sure he gets a precise shave. And does your dad use his trimmer for his <laughs> same trimmer for his body and face? Let's throw that out the window and give him an upgrade he needs. Yeah, he definitely needs that. It's not sanitary. But wait, there's more. Manscaped just launched their brand new boxers 2.0 that are, dare I say, the best boxes ever. We all know dads love their comfort. With summer just around the corner, the boxers 2.0 are here to save every father from the uncomfortable heat. The new boxers are packed with revolutionary features that include the jewel pouch designed to cradle his boys in their own special space. That right there is the game changer. Whether he's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, or golfing in the sun, these moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. Dads, buy this for yourself. Sons, buy this for your dad, for you and your dads. Ladies, buy this for your man. And dog daddies, dog daddies, you deserve this treat too. All right. So get 20% off plus free shipping with promo code SGP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code SGP. Shake what your mama gave you. Nah, shake what your daddy gave you. There you go. Okay. Let's start bringing that tea to green. And let's start with probably the toughest one to gauge this week. Oh, you're leaving? Oh, that's too bad. Oh, you didn't hear that. All right. So um, let's talk about off the tee. This is probably the toughest one to gauge because there are is a very strong trend as far as guys who tend to both win the U.S. Open and fare very well, finished inside the top 10 off the tee. That is going to kind of run into some things that might be a little inconsistent to that. So let's just talk about recent trends since, uh, since 2009. So as far as your performance off the tee coming into the U.S. Open, which is really all we care about, right? We don't care about what people are doing during the tournament. We care about what, the only thing we can look at at the U.S. Open is how guys are doing coming in. That's how we handicap. Um, of all the strokes gain categories, off the tee, approach, play, scrambling, and putting, off the tee, as far as like your average ranking or average amount of strokes you were gaining um, coming in, it's it's the most. It's basically the most important. Um, you look back, here, some recent ones. Uh, the average rank of guys at Torrey Pines in strokes off the tee is 44th, and Wingfoot is 40th. Uh, Shinnecock Hills is 46th. Um, 
basically off the tee, you know, especially in the last four years with the explosion of distance and everything has become basically the most important thing you want to look at. And, uh, when handing up the U.S. Open, and it's reflected in the winners. John Rahm, coming to the U.S. Open, was ranked third in strokes gained off the tee, and he ranked uh, 23rd in driving distance. Bryson, ranked first in strokes gained off the tee, first in driving distance. Gary Woodland, 11th in strokes gained off the tee, 11th in driving distance. Kapka, 36th in strokes gained off the tee, and 8th in, uh, in driving distance. You get the point here. Basically, the big bad bombers have been winning. Now, like, which is kind of like against the grain of everything we've been taught about the U.S. Open by our dads. Gotta hit in the fairway. You know, can't keep it safe. That's a bunch of bullshit now. These guys hit it so far and so long that they don't care. And a lot of these golf courses have had trouble keeping up with the advances in technology. And it doesn't matter how much rough they grow up or how narrow they make the fairways. At least for the last four years, basically it's been the biggest, baddest guys off the tee have gotten it done. Now, accuracy still has mattered in some cases. Like... Sometimes it just has been all bombers. Doesn't matter where you hit it. Right. For example, Wingfoot. No one was hitting the fairway that week. Everything was bounding into the rough. So all it, that really mattered was, okay, how far can you hit it? And then I'm just going to gouge out of the rough. I get as close to green I can. Uh, didn't matter at Chambers Bay either. That was a wide, they was had wide fairways, firm fairways. Basically, it was just as, how far can you hit it and how far can the ball roll? Um, didn't really matter at congressional because, or, or Beth page black. Those are really long golf courses. They got a bunch of rain dropped on it and it basically turned into, okay, how far can I hit the ball? And then gouge out of the rough kind of similar to wing foot. No, but there are other times, especially at some of the smaller golf courses where you want a good combination of guys who had good length and actually off tee. Gary Woodland, Pebble beach. Pretty good drive, you know, pretty decent driving actually ranks for a bomber. Pretty fares pretty well in that good drive percentage uh, as well. John Rahm last year, even though that's a long golf course, we talked about it last year. Everything is just so out in front of you. Like you can't carry the bunkers. It's just narrow. All it is, okay, can you just hit it straight? And then you get the best chance in the green. More accurate guys actually did pretty well last year, too. But Rom, arguably one of the best golfers in the game or drivers in the game right now, because he's so accurate and he's so long, he ended up winning. Um, you look at where are some other ones? Webb Simpson, pretty accurate guy at Olympic Club. Uh, Justin Rose had a good combination of length and accuracy off the tee. Uh, you know, Graham McDowell, pretty accurate guy. So it seems like, and, it, and it's reflected in some of the top tens too. Generally, a little more guys, not necessarily accuracy, but like the good dry percentage stat. Where basically you're not just putting yourself in huge trouble where you can't hit the green. You're still giving yourself a chance. Those yeah. have been the type of U.S. Opens that were a, either a combination of length and accuracy or just like actually still kind of matter. Now, how do we apply it to Brookline? Well, it's a shorter golf course. It doesn't have the fairways are like 30 to 35 yards wide. Like they're narrow, but like they're not impossible to hit like they were at like Wingfoot, or they're not like 20 yards wide like they were at like Torrey Pines last year. Like they're still gettable. Um, so right there, shorter golf course actually probably matters, but I still think you need some length. Um, like you talked, like we talked about, going to be a lot of rain dumped on the golf course. It's going to make it longer. That rough looks really thick. So, and if guys are in it, you're going to want somebody with a fast, fast enough club head speed to get out of it. That's just, that's just proven 
anytime you get to a golf course with really thick rough, that you want somebody who can do that. So you probably want length. I don't think elite length is needed here because you can't just mindlessly bomb away at this place. Kind of like a couple of things we talked about, like either there's a ridge that's going to send the ball 40 yards the wrong way if you hit the wrong side, or I didn't talk about hole number three. Basically, you're 30 feet above the fairway and you have a decision to make. Do I want to take like a three wood and hit it like 280 when I have a blind tee shot uh, to the green? Or do I want to try and carry the bunker down the left for the best angles of the green without a blind tee shot? But it's like a 20 by 20 yard grid, which is not, which sounds big, but it's not. Especially no, with the it's, no, it's not, no, no, make it all right. That's a, you're going to see so many tee shots like that. It's going to be really uncomfortable for these guys. So I probably am looking for a combination of length and accuracy off the tee. I think it's going to be more like a Tory Pines or like a Pebble, where you know you had to put some thought and some care as far as where you wanted to hit it. Right. You couldn't just mindlessly bound the bound by the fairway like you did at Bright, at Wingfoot or Shinnecock or Aaron Hills. You know, at any of those places. So I'm looking for a combination of length and accuracy off the team. I'm sorry. You're sending me a note. It's not going to be an hour. It's not, we're going <laughs> it's not a note. It's not a note. I'm playing with the new banners. These are fun. All right. Well, there you go. All right. Let's talk about iron play. So that's, you would probably agree. Well, by the way, do you have any questions or comments, by the way? I know you're gone for like half of it, but. I, I, I drove my wife's car earlier. She had to go pick up my kid, and okay. I left the keys somewhere. All right. So, so what do you think about? I, I, I think. I think accuracy. Like, I, I think accuracy is going to be more important, just based off the rough. Like, listen, length always matters, right? Well, we but, we we have said that, but you got to be careful with that. We've said that yeah. so many times. I know, and it hasn't mattered sometimes. Like, I we, know. remember Wingfoot? Didn't man, it's, I, mean, I, I get it, but really, I, I keep going back to it. People, I, I don't know if I have a false memory of it or everybody else, but. It was just one round that Bryson did that. No, no. It was, it was round was, four. He was, he was, was great Friday. No, he was great Friday and Sunday. Friday, he, he was, was he was excellent on Friday. But then how come he didn't have a huge lead? I mean, he had a big lead after Saturday. Well, it was him and Wolf, and that was it. Yeah, that was it. So it was the two of the guys. Yeah, and so he had it was, yeah, it was so still like he, four shots, right? Yeah, the two longest guys in the field had like a five shot lead on everybody. Fucking Wingfoot. I know. I don't think. Yeah, gonna play like, yeah. I don't think it's gonna play like Wingfoot. No, it's it's well. That's what I just talked about. It's not gonna be impossible to hit fairways. No, you're gonna be able to hit them. You just gotta be yeah. smart about it. Yeah. That rough is gonna be thick, and if you're in it, yeah. you know. Yeah. I I think if if I had to guess what the driving accuracy rate's gonna be this week, what like 60, 55? probably high. Probably low sixties. Okay, I think that's fine. Yeah, which is that's fine. That's okay. It's not impossible to hit fairways. No. So I, so listen, yeah. I, like I, I'll use it as a tiebreaker, but I want somebody who, I guess, probably total driving. Like, but I would, I would, if I'm leaning one weight heavier more than the other, it's it's gonna be accuracy. But I'm not talking like short knockers. Like, I mean, I yeah. want a guy who's long and accurate off the tee. I don't. I'm, ba I'm basically looking at. I bet if you're top 70 in driving distance, I'm looking at you this week. Yeah, that's fine. That's like that. That your average is like 305 off the box. I think that's that's pretty good. Pretty right. fucking long. All right, let's talk about iron play. And you probably would agree with me that probably every week on the PGA Tour, when we handicap this up, iron play is the most important, right? Yep. Has not always been the case of U.S. Opens. Let's take a look at. Let's go through the years. Bryson, who 
because it was the first event after like the COVID year, I basically took the 2020 overall stats of you tour. He ranked 119th in strokes gain approach for the year. Uh, Ross Kapka, when he won 2018, was 148th in strokes gain approach. Uh, in Aaron Hills, the year before, he was 143rd. Lucas Glover was 99th in strokes gain approach. Uh, Rory, when he won, was uh, 69th in strokes gain approach. So how I would respond to that is those five tournaments were basically driving performance off the tee is pretty much all that mattered there. We mm. just talked about Wingfoot. Basically, it just came down to how far he hit it off the tee. It didn't matter. Um, at Shinnecock Hills, there were pretty wide fairways. Same thing at Aaron Hills. You know, basically, it was just, all right, can you hit as far as you can? And then the greens were really tough to hit. So basically, everybody was struggling to hit greens that week. So didn't really matter. Um, at Congressional, that, because it was so long and rained a ton, basically turned into how far can you hit it. Same thing with Beth Page Black. That's it. But the ones where iron play has mattered the most is pretty much any time um, there has been really tiny greens. So last year, Torrey Pines, pretty tiny greens because it's a meanie. The average uh, uh, ranking of guys finished in the top 10 that week was 43rd in strokes gain approach. They're getting about half a stroke per round. Uh, Pebble Reach, it was 39th, and they're getting about half a stroke per round. Again, really small greens. Uh, at the Olympic Club back in 2012, really good iron players finished were inside that top 20. Same thing at Pebble Beach, again, really good iron players were inside that top 20. At Marion, which is a popular comp to this place. Now, the greens are a little bigger, but it's a shorterish track. Really good iron players are in there, including, I think, Justin Rose, I think, was the number one iron player in the world. Um, yeah, and he won the tournament. Mm-hmm. So this is a pretty easy one to translate to Brookline. Shorter track, small greens. Iron play is going to be really important this week. This is not going to be one you kind of just punt. Like, this is not going to be like, all right, drive me distance and over off is the only thing I'm going to look at. Right. Because these are smaller greens. You got some elevation changes. A lot of awkwardness, like too, like sometimes you might be blocked out. You're gonna have to shape your shots. There's gonna be no, there's no flat lies here, right? Other than the first couple holes. I mean, uh, un- unless you find like a flat lot. Yeah, number one's pretty flat. Number eighteen's pretty flat because that used to be the old racetrack. Uh, other than that, though, a lot of undulations. I don't know if it's necessarily like you're not gonna flat lie, but like a lot of things you have to account for in your approach shot, like you know, elevation change, stuff like that. Like, it's not just gonna be like, all right. Like, you know, yeah, the driving range, I know the number. Like, it's like, all right, this is going to be 25 feet up. So this sounds like pre-steroid Bryson. Basically, yes. So that that was really easy. Basically, anytime you get smaller greens on a shorter golf course, iron plays mattered a lot. It's going to matter a lot this week. Yeah. So, all right. So off the tee, it's going to matter a lot. Iron play, going to matter a lot. Not really being healthy. We haven't even got the scrambling yet. We're not going to scrambling putting, which we will do right after this break. Oh, look at that. Look at that. We're professionals. Ah, <laughs> listen, uh, we got to talk to you guys about athletic greens and their AG1 supplement. So, what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. And it costs you less than three bucks a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery and has over 7,000 five-star reviews. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first 
purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash SGP. Again, take stake in your ownership and your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance by going to athleticgreens.com slash SGP. All right. Thought of scrambling. This is a a tricky one to assess because probably of all the stats, at least historically at the U.S. Open, it's mattered the least, especially when it comes to winning this thing. Really? So let's go. Let's go through. You know, the guys are recently won. John Rahm only ranked 61st in strokes gained around the green when he won. That's respectable, but it's not elite. Right. Bryson was 111th. He was losing strokes around the green. Uh, Gary Woodman was only 54th. You know, it's fine. It's good. Yeah. It's not something that's going to like pop out in your model, really, especially when like most of the better scramblers are probably in the field. Uh, DJ was 108th when he won at Oakmont. Uh, Martin Keimer is 163rd when he won at Pinehurst. Uh, Roy was 148th. Graham McDowell, you think of him as a scrambler? He's 189th on the year in, in uh, scrambling. That, that was one guy where he didn't have enough rounds to qualify for the PG Tour, but on the year, he did. And he only finished 189th. So that was weird. Say, say he was kind of a bad scrambler. Yeah, uh, weird, Lucas Glover was only 137th. So, and you got, you know, there's, you know, you got some good ones like Jordan Spieth was ninth in scrambling the year, you know, leading up to the tournament. Justin Rose was second, Webster's in the 20th. But those were the only guys that were inside the top 20 in around mm-hmm. the green game that actually won. So, and some of you, isn't this course, isn't this course different though? Because I'm, they're going to miss to that. I'm getting to that. I'm setting it up. Okay. okay? You need to listen. Okay. <laughs> this is my Ted talk. Okay. Sorry about it. Yeah, we will field questions at the end. You can go up to the stage and hand me the index card. Fine, I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. You need to listen to this. So there's some years, and I couldn't. I I tried really hard to find a correlation between all this stuff. Some years, it's really mattered. Like last year, a lot of really good scramblers did really well at Torrey Pines. At Pebble Beach in 2019, didn't really matter a whole lot. Uh, It mattered a lot at Shinnecock. Mattered a lot at Aaron Hills. Didn't really matter at Oakmont. Mattered a lot at Chambers Bay. Did not matter at all at Pinehurst. It's no. really volatile. Like, like you know, you have some longer golf courses, shorter golf courses, big greens, small greens. Like, th- there wasn't even a correlation that I like drawn back. Like, like you know, I always feel like anytime there's like really thick rough around a green, we have a little bit of a luck box. Anytime there's like tight lies, it's more skill. That wasn't none of that either. And now we the get only- chocolate drops, and we got chocolate drops. So, would you like me to explain what chocolate drops are? Please do. Okay. Basically, basically, it's mounding. It's essentially like rocks with a bunch of grass and dirt over it. That's like it's like mounding around the green. That so you basically can end up having like an uneven lie from off the green. That's awesome <laughs> because if it's on the let's go. Side, it's, let's go. It's gonna be tough. So, but a lot of these types of golf courses have like really difficult green size surrounds, and it sometimes it doesn't matter. The only thing I think that maybe there's a bit of a correlation is I noticed that the ones where better scramblers tend to do better are the ones that had pretty undulated greens. So Torrey Pines is pretty undulated greens. Shinnecock Hills is pretty undulated greens. Aaron Hills had undulated greens. Like Chambers Bay had those crazy weird greens. <laughs> those guys were awesome at scrambling. Cham- Chambers Bay was fucking awesome. It, that one deserves another chance, by the way. They redid the Chambers. greens and everything. We're going to talk about Chambers Bay in a second because the putting greens were atrocious <laughs> that week. But really good scramblers did well there. And Marion, crazy undulated greens. Really good scramblers did well in that top 10. Olympic Club, same thing. So let's apply it to Brookline. This is smaller greens. Has fairly undulated greens for smaller greens too. 
So while it's not going to be the most important stat this week, I'm, I think you have to be competent. I don't think you have to be elite. You know, just based on like who's won here. I only have to be elite. I think it's going to be a useful skill. Um, but I'm not going to put a ton of weight into it. I think it's going to be difficult for everybody. But if you have it, it'll help. And I think especially because it's going to rain a lot too. I think it's going to be a little easier to hold greens and hit greens because the greens are going to play a little softer. So moral of the story, as long as you're not a complete disaster around the green, like you're losing a bunch of strokes, all that stuff. Like I don't think it's to be elite, but it's a useful skill. Let's put it that way. It's okay. not. It's probably the least important stat I'm going to look at this week, though, just based on historical trends. Okay. All right. So respond to that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if we're going to have super, super tight, super small greens, you need to be good with your irons, and if you mess, you're going to be in trouble with things called chocolate drops and thick rough. I know. I, I feel like you should be good. Like, and I get that. The same reason, like back in the day, uh, with Speed, we'd be like, "Listen, if everybody misses the fairway, then why, why don't we just bet Speed? Because he's usually playing from there, right?" So it kind of brings the field back. I mean, I get it, but I don't know. I think I, I think I might pay a little more attention to it to, to try to get an edge on it. Okay, I mean, my response to that is, there's been instances where the field missed the green regulation a whole bunch, and scramble didn't matter. Didn't really matter a lot of Wingfoot. That only about I don't think about half. Play like Wingfoot. Well. I'll, you just mentioned, like, you know, iron plays important if you miss a green because there's smaller greens. No. Doesn't matter. There's been times where it's been really high green regulation rates and it hasn't mattered a whole lot, like at Congressional. Yeah, but there's a. Yeah, but do you think we're going to get a high green regulation rate this week? Well, it, I'm talking. You're missing my fucking point, dude. I'm not missing your point. I'm just. You're I'm missing switching. my point. My point oh, is oh. there's been different, like, we have extreme examples of. Low green regulation right. rates, high green regulation rates, and scrambling didn't really matter. There's no real rhyme or reason if you look back at all the data. Okay. So I think at the end of the day is I think it's a useful skill. I don't think it's going to be something I'm putting a whole ton of weight in just based historically on how these US Opens have panned out. Okay. Okay. That's it. All right. Let's go to putting. Yeah, so yeah. that's another one that's pretty volatile. I mean, like, we have some really good putters who won the US Open. Bryson. He was an excellent putter. He ranked 10. Keegan. Keegan, the best putter. Keegan was a PJ Championship. That's not... I know. Not he's going to win the week. Okay. You also have Gary Woodland, who was 150th in strokes game putting when he won. So as many guys who were inside the top 15 strokes game putting leading to the tournament, five, you're also as five guys who were outside the top 100 in strokes game putting. Really? So that's another set that hadn't really mattered. Yeah. Um. Putting's so tough to put. Well, so here's the thing. In recent years, it seems like better putters have been in the top tens. Like that's been a more reliable stat than scrambling, actually. It seems like better putters have found their way into the top tens. Like at Torrey Pines, average ranking in strokes game putting heading of 66. Wingfoot mm -hmm. is 53rd. Uh Pebble is 77th. Shinnecock Hills is 53rd. Aaron Hills, it was 69th. And then before that, that's when putting didn't really matter. Like 90th, 80th, like, like all that stuff. Like, but recently we're on a four year run here where it's kind of mattered a lot. Um, probably the main connector of those of the, of the last like five is those have been really undulated greens like Torrey Pines, Wingfoot, Shinnecock, Aaron Hills, kind of tough to put on because like there's different levels, 
you gotta, you know, basically know the lines. Pebble was the weakest one of those five. Those are relatively flatter greens and they were mm-hmm. slower too. So that's maybe why it didn't really matter a whole lot. And we get a ton of course history there too, right? Like, yeah, we they, do. I know they change up stuff, but I mean, right. you, it's still the same course, right? Right. But basically, since 2014, the average amount of strokes gained by each guy in the top 10 heading into uh, the tournament and putting was 0. 0.2. Hmm. So the only time it didn't matter was Chambers Bay. And that's because it was, those greens were a fucking disaster. It was like putting on like a bunch of asparagus. I know, I remember. Like I remember that I remember the famous video. I think of like Billy Horschel. He's doing like a little snake like thing after like the putt went like a five foot putt went like 50 different directions. But it's like when you go to your local course and you don't know they punch the greens and you show up, you're like, ah, oh, God fucking damn it. <laughs> right. So. I mean, I, I think if I had to, if you had a gun in my head, as far as at least looking at just historically speaking. Mm-hmm. Has putting been a little more predictive or scrambling? I, I would say putting, at least recently. Mm-hmm. So, now one thing I want to talk about too is like you hear a lot about the putting from five to ten feet. Is that, that makes, mattering? Makes sense. Makes sense. That is not a very historically speaking, it's not have been a very predictive stat. Oh, so, so three of the last four years it has been like at Tory Pines, it mattered a lot. Guys who tended to putt really well from five to ten feet did well. Same they had wing foot. But there's so many different so like the five to hey, ten feet. You're 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 interrupting me, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying, like I'm I'm agreeing with you. Like like five to ten feet, there's so many different variables that go into it. How could it be? I know, I know. Like well, that's oh, my point. At Pebble didn't matter. Oh. Aaron Hills didn't really seem to matter. Like none of the, I'm talking about just the profile of guys who did well there. None of those guys are really good from five to ten feet who did well at Pebble. None of those guys are really good at Trainers Man. None of those guys are really good at like Pinehurst. So the only thing I can think of is like again, I was trying to look for a common link between all of them. It seems like it mattered most when the greens were really firm that those types of guys did better on the leaderboard. And when it was softer, like at Pebble or at Aaron Hills or at Oakmont or at Congressional or Beth Page, didn't really matter a whole lot those tournaments. And I think the only way I can probably explain it is. It's maybe a little easier to stop the ball when you're chipping, get a little more spin off it. Because it's softer, it's not going to check out as much. Once firm, the ball is just going to roll and roll and roll and roll. Right. So applying this again to Brookline. So these are going to be pretty undulated, slick, bent power greens. Pretty difficult to putt on, at least in my opinion. Those similar to like Wingfoot, Oakmont, Shinnecock Hills, where tip, you know, a lot of good putters did pretty well those those weeks. Um, at the very least. Um, oh, this is sad for to mention. So since 2014, of everyone who qualified for PG Tour stats leading to the tournament, of all the top 10 finishers, 72% of those guys were inside the top 100 strokes game putting, and only 19% of those guys were losing strokes putting heading into the tournament. Okay. So I know sometimes we punt on putting. Might not be a time to do that this week, just based okay. on historical patterns. Um, and in terms of like putting from five to 10 feet, while I logically agree that it usually matters, I've seen enough evidence that in softer conditions, it hasn't mattered on the leaderboard and we're going to get a softer golf course. It looks like, so I'm just going to rely on just strokes game putting that basically picks all that up anyways. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to get too bogged down in like a ton of detail with that stuff. So mm-hmm. high level in the order of what I'm valuing this week. Obviously, T to green efficiency, 
off the tee performance, either a combination of length and accuracy, probably both, to be perfectly honest. Just because of the strong trend that when you get to shorter golf courses with smaller greens, the elite iron players have risen up the leaderboard. That's going to be really important to me. And then we're going to take a step lower from that. You got to be at least in the top 100 in putting, or at least like kind of positive in that stat. And scrambling, I think it'll matter more than are the U.S. Opens, but I wouldn't get carried away with it. I think it's like the cherry on top for me, for a lot of guys. Okay. I, th- I think all those other stats can be more important. Okay. All right. Uh, what were we going to do next? That's it. <laughs> Why don't we take another break? And then I want to play a game. Let's go. All right. Did you guys know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without the added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means your detail, private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Looking at you, live. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IPVanish on limited devices without sacrificing your speed. Without sacrificing on your speed, uh, whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online without using IPVanish. And they're offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, that's getting nine months for free. And it's super easy to use. All you got to do is tap a button, and you're instantly protected. So stop sharing with the world everything you stream, search, and buy. Take your privacy back today with a brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP to claim your 70% off savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. Okay. Play game. game. Yes. All right. The one that either you love or it makes you really, really, really triggered. Yeah, it's fine. Either way. All right. So we're not, I'm not going to, I will go through each trend that I found individually from most correlated to a little least. So we're going to go from, I looked at the last 14 US Opens, went all the way back to Tiger and Tory Pines. Okay. Every US Open winner in the last 14 years had a top 10 in, at least one top 10 in the last five starts. Now, caveat, we're not counting the Zurich. No. And we're not counting Liv. No. That's it. Okay. Okay? So we can say goodbye. Here's a few new. We say goodbye to a lot of players. Here's a few new. Victor Hovland has not had a top 10 in his last five. Yeah, say goodbye true. to him. And honestly, yeah. can I explain something real quick? Yeah, sure. I know I said it's the least important. If you're a fucking dumpster fire, I don't want it, okay? Like, this is okay. not me saying I'm going to completely ignore it. Like, in fact, I kind of want you a little bit competent in that stat this week. Yeah. Because the U.S. Open is going to expose your weakness, okay? Yeah. Like, it's just not going to be like, all right, I'm going to pick Patrick Reed this week because he's a great scrambler. Like, right. I think you got to do a couple other things besides that. Okay. All right. Brooks Cup, who we say goodbye to. He's been terrible most of this year. Uh, guy you are done with, Terrell Hatton. You can say goodbye to him too. Goodbye. Don't have to worry about that. Uh, Bryce, you can say goodbye to Louis. Say goodbye to Taylor Gooch. Goodbye. Oh, Usti, huh? Yep, Usti. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Webb Simpson. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thirteen of the last fourteen U.S. Open winners has had at least one win in the last two years. Mm. And we're not talking. We're not counting Corn Ferry. No. Or anything like that. We're only counting PGA Tour, like basically full field seventy six holes. Are we counting? Okay. I guess like. 
Yep, Euro. Okay. And I'm, and I'm counting the Olympics because that was against an actual field. I know you hate that, but it counts. So gross. It doesn't count. He beat more cow and board. Okay. I don't give a fuck. Okay. All right. All right. The guys are saying goodbye to Zalatoris were saying goodbye. Oh. Shane Shane Lowry were saying goodbye. Pam Young were saying goodbye. Corey Connors, Mr. Semifinalist at uh, Brooklyn, we're saying goodbye to him. Mito, you should. You probably shouldn't have hit it a slice off 18. You were saying goodbye. <laughs> um, Tommy Fleet was saying goodbye. Your boy Keegan was saying goodbye. By the way, I did this analysis of anyone over $7,000. Uh, I looked at the list under six. Nobody's really worth it. Okay. That's fine. All right. 13 of the last 14 U.S. Open winners made the cut in the last major they played. We're going to get rid of some guys here. Okay. Goodbye, Scotty Scheffler. Mm. Goodbye, Dustin Johnson. Goodbye, Patrick Cantlay. Mm. And goodbye, Daniel Berger. Oh, really? I like Berger. Yeah. Mm. So we are down to 22 guys. Okay. Okay. Now we're talking about some things I felt were very, pretty important. Were you top, are you top 50 in showskin off the tee? Wait, wait. Is that, the, is that the end of the trends? No. Okay. 13 last 14 were at least okay, top no, no. 15. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay. 13 last 14 released top 15 strokes gain off the tee. Got Goodbye, Cam Smith. Yeah, that makes sense. Goodbye, Hideki. Yeah. Goodbye, Sam Burns. Goodbye, Seamus Power. Goodbye, Tom Hoagie. Goodbye, Harold Varner III. Goodbye, Cage Lee. And goodbye, Kevin Na. Okay. Okay. Are you at least in the top 70 in driving distance? Goodbye, Morikawa. Is he not in the top 70? He's not. That's weird. Goodbye, Billy Horschel. Goodbye, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Goodbye, Tony Finau. He's like 60th. He's like 60th. I'm telling you, he is. There's a lot of really long You just said top 70. Did I fuck that up? Yeah, you just said top 70. Hold on. When I did this, he was... Yeah, but you just said top 70. And then you All right, me. my mistake. My mistake. He's he's in. All right. Okay. All right. Well, that's actually going to be pretty impactful later. All right. So, Tony <laughs> Finau, you're in. Goodbye, Max. Goodbye, Max Homa. Goodbye, Abe Answer. Goodbye, Sungjae. Goodbye, Thomas Peters, actually. Wait, wait. wait. So are we still on the top 70 drive? Is that? Yeah. Homa's not there either? Homa's not there either. Weird. I don't think so. I'm not trying to derail it. No, all right. I fu- I fucked this up. <laughs> oh no. Oh boy. Oh no, Steve. This is what I've been looking forward to all day. Well, he gets disqualified later, anyways. All right, fine. fine. All right, fine. All right. All right. So goodbye, Morikawa, Horschel, Fitzpatrick, answer, Sung Jay. Okay. Those all make sense. All right. Are you in the top 15 strokes gain T to green? Everybody who's still on the list is. Eliminate them. Okay. How many are we down to now? We're down to uh, eight. Ooh. All right. Okay. Like it. By the way, 13 last 14 has been top 70 driving distance. 12 last 14 is top 50 short skin teetering. Gotcha. 12 last 14 guys. Have you ever had a top 10 in a prior major? Max Homa, you're out. Joaquin Neiman, you're out. Ooh. Sweet. All right. Six. And then, so, so, what, so what are we down to? We're down to Finau, Xander, 
We're down to seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yes. Finau, six. Xander, Rory, JT, Rom. There's one you're missing. Who's going to surprise you? Okay, so finishing the trends. Okay, okay. 12, 12 of 14, top 10 in prior major. 12 of 14, over the age of 26. All those guys who are left still qualify. No. 12 of the last 14, top 30 in OWGR. All those guys qualify. I think. Tony Finau should qualify. Yeah, Finau yeah, qualifies. Okay. So your, your list, Tony Finau, okay. Justin Thomas, yeah. John Rahm, yeah. Rory, yeah. Xander, yeah. Jordan Spieth. Oh, Spieth. That's fine with that. That's fine. I bet him already. Yeah. Oh, because I, I probably texted you. I, I picked him <laughs> too. too. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I'm going to go back. All right. So that's the list. And like, kind of like last year, we basically narrowed it down to just kind of the best guys. And honestly, looking at this list... <laughs> Yeah. It's hard to dispute like coming in. All these guys are really good. I, I guess Xander has been the one that's kind of been like but, good, but like not great. Boy, he's, I, texted you, he's I, texted, I, I know I texted you last week. How do we feel about Xander? Right? I, I, was, surpri- like, I was surprised oh. he made it. But he only makes it because the Olympic win. So you're going to have to swallow that one. <laughs> no, he's not on the list. Well, he's on my list then. Doesn't count. Okay. All right. So I've been doing a lot of talking. You guys know my leans. Capper, you've been listening, half listening. You probably only mentioned every time. I've been listening. All right. <laughs> what are your early leans? Anybody you bet already? Did I change your mind on anything I said tonight? Not yet. Okay. I'm going to dig on the scramble. Thing. I think it's more important than you think it is. Okay. Um, I don't know why I think that. Sometimes I just like to argue, and that might be it. So that's why I got to look into it before I actually... <laughs> Take it and take a stance. Um, but I so I got Burns at 70 to one a couple months ago. I mean, I had 100, but I don't think he's gonna win. I don't either, but whatever was happening. So that and then I bet Speed, I got him at 28, and that's it right now. And that's it. Like, I'm looking looking at Xander. I can't. What are we doing? We can't wait. What are we doing? We can't wait, man. I I really like can't wait this week. I think. Especially if people are going to say he fucking sucks now. If he sucks at majors. You just like, told me last major and he did suck at the last major. Yeah, I said. <laughs> and I said he was going to suck. I know. We're going to hang on to Brookline. I know. Yeah, we're going to hang on to Brookline because he can't help the Bermuda. Now he's got his comfy polo and ryegrass. He's going to be just fine. Dude, Rom, Plot, get, plotter golf course. I can get Rom at 18 to 1. He's at 18? 18. I mean, I did say earlier. A lot of right to left shots, yep. but if you if you're looking for a guy who hits who's long hits a bunch of fairways, yep. I just like I know th- th- this one seems too weird for him. Think so? Yeah, I think this one's too quirky. Yeah, I just I mean he won two, he won Tory, which basically just like a souped up like yeah, yeah, tour setup. Yeah, it's the same old it's, it, repeat, right? Yeah, and he won Mexico, which that whatever that doesn't count. No, it either. doesn't count. So it counts more than the Olympics, though. I promise you that. Yeah, um, I just I actually think the Olympics are was a better win than who the hell did Rom beat that week? I don't know who the fuck. Did yeah, he exactly. Morikawa. He beat Morikawa. He beat Rory. Bit Rory Sabatini. He beat JT Rory. He beat Cam Smith. He beat Lowry. He beat Morikawa. Oh fuck off! All right, you're you're shaking your head, and you know that I'm making good points. I'm yeah. just doing the control. Okay. I know you are. <laughs> All right. Well, I also bet Spieth. I have a 35. I was like, what a great number. Well, and I also think like this is going to be funky and weird. And when I want funky and weird, I want speed. 
That's right. Well, you can say the same thing about Cam Smith, but he's just so wild off the tee. That's that's the thing. Like the off, he loses. Two, if if off the tee is what I'm really going to care about as far as your efficiency there, like yeah. I I can't take him. I can't. I think I'm just. I'm, I think we have a. Okay, I'm going to make stands on maybe two guys sub twenty to one because those are the only people who win anymore. Uh, and then I already have some long term ones. I maybe sprinkle in another twenty and call it a day. Okay. All right. All right. I got nothing else. You got anything else? No, man. Uh, probably I'm going to have to re-listen to this and, and uh, <laughs> read your articles again. And uh, yeah, tomorrow night, man, we're, uh, DFS. Bryson's been out for a minute. Everybody already knows who the chalk's going to be. So maybe we talk through some game theory stuff. Um, we got the, the fatal four-way. Andy and Jeff Nagels again. So uh, buckle in for that one. That'll be uh, at least an hour and a half, if not two. We'll um, probably have to do two parts for that one. Yeah, we might chop it up. We'll see. We'll yeah. see what we'll we'll see what the mothership says. Um, but yeah, other than that, man, I, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to move on. Uh, U.S. Open. Give me some carnage. Give me a course we haven't seen in fucking forever. That sounds funky. It's gonna make people think around that golf course. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for the press conference. So,